Hi everyone and welcome to Sterling's Business Success and Coffee podcast, kindly sponsored and supported by Sterling's group coaching programs and Fix This Next free online business assessment, enabling you to pinpoint what your business needs you to fix next. Business tips to help you level up and scale up. I'm Simon of Sterling Coaching and welcome to this podcast episode in which I'm joined by David Hensel. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. And David has just been giving me a a checkered history of his movements around the world. But currently, as he talks to us on this podcast, he's actually uh, based in Bodrum in southern Turkey. I think you said, didn't you? Southern Turkey. That's correct. Yes. Glad to have you on the podcast today. Good to have you with us. Thank you for having me, Simon. And just tell the listeners a little bit about you. Give us a little bit of detail, a little bit of an insight into into you. So um, I have a portfolio of businesses. I'm uh, one is coaching related. It's upcoach.com, which is a coaching platform that helps to deliver better coaching sessions and to also run your coaching business better. Yep. Um, which was born out of the need that I want to do proper group coaching with the people who run my portfolio businesses with the leadership teams. Um, We have a course that's called Managing Happiness, which um, I I create out of need. And then I built this tool and I showed it to a friend of mine who's an actual coach. I'm just, you know, I'm just a business guy who's who's coaching uh, his his people. And his name is Todd Herman. He's fairly well known in the States. He wrote The Alter Ego Effect. And he said, this looks amazing. I want to invest. Let's build this big together. And okay, so right. and there I was with, with, with another business on my hand. But I'm very passionate about this because I think, you know, with yeah. with this, I can have, I can impact a lot of people because I want to empower coaches to deliver better coaching. I, I help, you know, help a lot of people. So that's yeah. that's my, 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 my passion project. And I have LTV Plus, which is an outsourcing business for SaaS businesses and uh, e-commerce businesses. We provide live chat agents, support agents, task drive. We do lead research. If you do outbound campaigns, shortlist.io, which is a marketing agency, 50 SaaS. I, I, you know, I don't want to bore you. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a few more. Um, yeah. I, I like to work on, on a lot so, of things. So and, it, yeah. sound, it sounds that you're more sort of software technology based as a as a core to your business then. Is that, would that be what you're saying? Originally, it was my, my last business. Actually, I started out in e-commerce like in yeah. 20 years ago. And I sold this business, which gave me the money to move to America to... Um, you know, got my the money for my investor visa to, um, and there I co-founded MaxCDN, which was a content delivery network, which was very okay. technical. Yep. And afterwards, I wanted to do something that's less technical. So most of my businesses are actually people businesses. Okay. So outsourcing business where we provide staff, yeah. okay. um, but UpCoach and you know a few others are also SaaS software as a service focused. Yeah. So I'm originally a, a tech guy. I used to be a Linux system and network engineer, but I haven't touched wow. a, a server oh, in yeah. a long time. You know, I, yeah. I switched we'll, we'll, to the dark we'll forgive side you. We'll forgive you for that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I can see there in the background, and listeners, you can't see this because obviously it's just audio. But in the background, which David has there, there is a what looks like a frog in a yoga pose. Now, one, I'm very jealous of the yoga pose because uh, I have hip problems. <laughs> I had a hip replaced just a couple of years ago, at uh, the dizzy age of fifty. And I always uh, want to get into a great uh, sort of yoga pose and always sort of, yeah, tell us a little bit about that image, uh, that frog that's behind you there. And you mentioned your your parents as well. Tell us a little bit about that before we get into the main questions of coffee and business. 
<laughs> sure. Um, yeah, my, my parents were, were actual hippies. My mm -hmm. parents brought, uh, my father and a few friends brought Shambhala, which is a Buddhist type religion. They brought this to Europe. Okay. And basically the first six years of my life, I lived in a, in a Buddhist temple, monastery yeah. type, type of thing. And uh, so this is kind of, I had where, where my, I guess my, my passion or focus on, on yoga is coming from. I um, meditate every morning and I do yoga every morning. And it's something that I definitely need wow. to be in my personal A game and to kind of like wither or like withstand the emotional roller coaster, which is entrepreneurship, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, to absolutely. With, with a smile. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So coffee. And you messaged me about the coffee and you said, you know, is it okay to talk decaf? So tell us a little bit about the coffee that you're drinking today and, and why, why that particular coffee? Oh, it's actually, you know, it's in Turkey, it's not that easy to buy good decaf coffee. Um, mm -hmm. And so I've, I found a few roasters who do it, but right now with the lockdown, I just bought some decaf beans from Metro and I, we have a, a really good machine. It's like a Krups full automatic okay. machine, which yep. generates pretty good coffee. And I'm not good with moderation. If I do something, I do it fairly extremely. So okay. um, I, I like drinking coffee. And if I drink regular coffee or or Turkish tea here in Turkey, it's, it's also very delicious. Yep. I just consume too much caffeine. And I think it's not good for, for my nervous system to kind of always give me an overload of caffeine every day. So I switch to decaf and it's a little less famic, but it's still yeah. consumable. Yeah, I must admit, um... I've got some uh, decaf pods downstairs and I normally only drink two or three coffees during the day. And, you know, other times of day, it's either water, hot water, hot water and honey. I love hot water and honey, particularly for my voice. You know, I spend all my time talking on Zoom sessions like this, coaching clients. So it's always good to keep the voice going. And you're right. You know, sometimes having a decaf is a good thing to do when you're uh, looking to do that intake. It's interesting you say there about it being difficult to get decaf coffee in Turkey. Because I, I also find that here in the UK, decaf coffee never really took off. And I think it's because we're more a nation of tea drinkers than coffee drinkers. We we don't have much decaf. So what, what's your favorite? What's your favorite? drink that much coffee aside from... Oh, excuse me. Sorry. Yeah, sorry, we must have a satellite delay. So yeah, you're saying Turkey drinks more tea than coffee? Yeah, they're bigger on tea. I mean, they have the Turkish coffee, which is a little different, but like the normal like drip Ooh. coffees or espresso type of things. Now, of course, it's hip. Like every city has like the cool hipster coffee spots like all over the world, but it's yeah. generally they're, they're more tea drinkers here as well. Ah, so okay. in, in Los Angeles, it was very easy to get good decaf, but here it's, it's just different. Yeah. yeah. So what's different about Turkish coffee then? Why is Turkish coffee slightly different to perhaps mainstream coffee? I mean, Turkish coffee is like how it's how you make it. You take like this especially ground ground up powder and you just heat it in this little pot and uh, yep. you, the coffee stays inside. It's not filtered out and kind of like sits at the bottom of the, ah, okay. of the coffee. Yeah. And it's usually they, it's also most of them are sweet. You can also have it without but yeah it's it's definitely a different coffee experience right. than uh, okay than yeah that's intriguing I, I had a guy on here who was drinking tea from morocco and sounds very similar you know he got his tea in a pot and the tea leaves went in and he said the tea stays in the bottom of the pot and i know you know very often we strain our tea so it's interesting that 
Turks do the same with the coffee as well. Well, what's your favourite coffee then, David? You know, um, you, you're drinking decaf at the moment. You know, you've travelled um, to various places around the world. What, what's your favourite coffee and how do you normally drink your coffee? I usually just drink, um, actually, most of the time I drink, since I like to be in warm places, I drink iced Americano. It's probably like what I like the best yep. and just straight up black. And if I feel fancy, I add some plant-based milk you know, of any kind. Ah. I'm, I'm vegan, you know, I follow a plant-based diet. So that's, you know, again, yeah. the, the hippie coming Great. through. <laughs> yeah. So I've got to ask another question then that our listeners might find uh, interesting. We've had a few people that have uh, shown us that they like almond milk or oat milk, and nobody seems to have an opinion of which one's their favorite. So what what's your favorite plant-based milk? They sell a kind here, the brand is Alpro, and it's a mix of almond and coconut. This has like the, the best consistency ah. and, and the best taste for my taste. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, we, uh, we Alpro is very popular here, but more soya based. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that, that tends to be very watery. It doesn't, doesn't have that texture that milk really should have. But of course, if Alpro want to sponsor this coffee podcast, they're more than welcome to. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's good. You should get some yeah. coffee sponsors. <laughs> That's right. I'm trying my best. So from a point of view of a business, and you've talked there about lots of businesses that you've had and a portfolio of businesses you've got now, what what is the latest or most significant thing that you've fixed or worked on in your business? Do you want the latest or the most significant thing? Oh, give us one of each. If you've got two, I'll take one of each. <laughs> one of each. Yeah, sure. I, yeah. So the most significant thing um, was to figure out what really works. When when COVID hit in one of my businesses, we had a lot of customer churn because everyone was scared and you kind of cut out outside services that are easy to cancel versus like firing employees. Yep. So um, this was kind of like, you know, a shock to the system. We kind of looked into what does really work the best in terms of our marketing channels. And we found that it depends on the business. Um, with task traffic, we just build lead lists. So people come to us and say, okay, can you like, this is our ideal custom profile. Please find us more of these people and their addresses, etc." Yeah. This doesn't require a lot of trust, you know, because it's just, you know, if, if the list is not good then you just kind of toss it and, you know, you kind of put a charge rate on the credit card and that's yep. it. Right. And so for, um, this business, the lead source of SEO, so like people finding us through search engines works phenomenal, right? People find us, uh, go on the call, boom, they, they start using it. But for um, for LTV Plus, where we take over their customers' um, support, you know, we kind of do the, the communication with their customers, which like include, you know, involves a lot more trust that, you know, we're actually good to know what we're doing, we're trustworthy. Yeah. Anything that we're getting from our content marketing side doesn't convert, you know, often they're not, not, not big enough. They just, you know, like we have a lot of calls, but they don't lead anywhere. Mm. But partners was something that works like a charm for us, you know, where, where a partner refers us over, says like, Hey, you can trust these guys. They're good. Okay. This is like, we close it left and right. And so we really focused hard since the pandemic started on, on the partnership piece with LTV plus, and this has just been working phenomenal kind of like doing joint ventures. And we found that there's four types of partners that we can have. Um, one is a tech technology play where, you know, like, for example, a live chat company um, wants to, uh, you know, refers us to, to their customers and um, this this working really well. The other thing is competitors where we find competitors, they're either working with much larger companies or much smaller companies. Um, and, you know, they, they just like get the leads and then they can't use them. Same for our yeah. 
marketing agency, we just hit up you know certain people to like only work with customers that do fifty thousand dollars a month in ad spend. But if they're smaller guys, we, we happily take them over. Usually these leads just go dry for them. So yeah. this um, has been working really well. And the other two things is agencies um, that we reach out to uh, that you know refer us, but works works even better in agencies is individual consultants and coaches. Because, oh, okay. uh, you know, it's again about trust, because if, a, if an individual consultant or coach, you know, you talk to them, they, they learn how to trust, that they learn to trust you, they learn about what you actually do, and then okay. and they're closer to the client, so then they can, can pitch it versus an agency, they, you know, the agency, talk to the agency owner, and then until everybody in the agency kind of knows about you and what you do, like, you know, this often never mm. happens. So we found that this has been working much better. Um, so yeah, I think that's the the latest thing that we've done that okay. had a really big impact. I think also in, in, in the coaching space, like these joint venture things is probably like a, a good thing because, you know, finding a coach is like a big trusting and it's most most yeah. likely a referral base, et cetera. So, I yeah, I mean, the interesting thing I find, David, is that most of the guests that have been on this podcast have been other coaches. And if you'd have asked me 12 months ago, I, I love collaborating. I love, you know, talking to my competitors. I've always done it in all my businesses I've had. And the coaches very rarely want to talk to each other. They, they're, they're very protective of their intellectual property, their content, their clients. And I must admit, one thing I've seen during this sort of public health crisis, pandemic, whatever you want to call it, is that coaches have become more open in collaborating. I think they've realized that they've, there's, there's more to coaching than just being insular in their own little empire. And they can talk to each other. So it's it's good to hear that you know partnerships with coaches is working really well for you, particularly for somebody who who has a platform to help coaches as well. Coach. Yes, absolutely. And um, I joined this mastermind called JVMM Joint Venture Mastermind. I think it's what it stands okay. for. Yeah. And uh, this is like a lot of people in the art coaches, and they do a lot of collaborations together, and they really help each other. It's 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 really cool. cool Fantastic. Community. Good. Good to hear. So that's the latest thing. What's what's the most significant thing? The most significant thing was at MaxIDN where we we grew very fast. Um, you know, we first we had a company called thinking about how much detail I give you. I put it this way, we grew very fast and we yeah. initially we had like a clear mission and vision on what we want to do. We want to make CDN, which is content delivery networks, which makes websites faster. We want to make it more accessible that everybody can get to it before it was like an enterprise play you had to pay a lot of money to get it and we want to just like offer it to everybody because startups couldn't afford it yeah. and we want to make it as easy as possible to use and um yeah this was kind of like the thing so you could come in type in your credit card boom your application or your website just load, loads faster and this worked like a charm and we grew very fast but we didn't tell everybody in the organization what our mission and vision was you know and we just hired people and which ended up you know, we ran into 10 different directions. Our new head of engineering came from Splunk, which is a big data platform. And he wanted, he built this crazy analytics engine on top of our business, which was awesome, but only for 5% of our customers. And everybody else was like, okay. what's this, you know? And, and yeah. our new head of sales ran after enterprise customers, even though we're like kind of more positioned for the startups and um, DevOps related. And it, it, you know, it just, we ran to 10 different directions and nothing moved anymore. And then we realized that this was because of our mission, vision, values are not clear and not not communicated. And once we yeah. figured this out, then um, this you know everything was working 
rolling, working much better. And I always thought that mission vision values are something you put on a presentation when you raise money and you kind of bury it yep. on your website and you don't use it. But it's actually the best management tool for your people because if you can get this into everybody's head, what your yep. mission vision values are, and then everybody can make decisions the same way how the leadership team would make decisions without you even being there. Yeah. And this, yeah, just had like an incredible impact on my business. And, you know, I kind of nerded out on this so hard that uh, I also implemented this into my life. Um, so yeah. we have my, my wife and I, we have our personal missions, we have our family core values, we have regular meetings and um, you know, kind of running our lives like, like, a, like a business, which is working really phenomenal. So I'm going to ask you a quick question in just a moment about the difference between vision and mission, mm -hmm. um, because I've had a couple of clients recently who have really struggled and they've got very confused thinking the two are the same. But it's interesting you say there about the 10 different directions, because the analogy I always use, you wouldn't ask people to man your uh, rowing boat across an ocean without telling them where they were going, how long they were going to be at sea, what was in it for them at the other end? You know, you would you wouldn't have a very happy crew, would you? Because half of them would turn around after 15, 20 miles and say, "Hold a minute, aren't we there yet?" And I always remember going on a cycle ride uh, some years ago, and we we got around this cycle riding. I told the guy about this club. He came out on this club ride with us, and we got to about twenty five miles on this ride. It was a mountain bike ride, and we turned left and he turned right and we said where are you going he said no i thought this was it yeah i didn't realize we were going this far i didn't realize we weren't going to have a stop yet and he literally we turned one way and he turned the other way because he, he had no idea we hadn't shared with him where the bike ride was going we didn't tell him how long it was going to be we didn't tell him how difficult it was going to be so yeah a couple of examples so what what would you say for the listeners? How would your explanation be of what the difference is between a mission and a vision? So I'd say the vision is kind of where you want to go, um, mm -hmm. you know, which 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 mountain you want to uh, conquer or which problem you want to solve, and or you know can be um, you know we want to be the best or the biggest in in this field, or we want to solve X Y Z problem. And the mission is then how you're actually going to do this and who you're doing this for. Right. And what, what would you say are key ingredients in a mission then? I think, you know, a lot of the listeners um, are, are probably are quite adept at setting visions and setting sort of lofty goals and milestones. But what about the mission? What would you say are some key ingredients that you found that you've needed to include in your missions? You're obviously very passionate about missions. What, what needs to go into a mission? Into the mission or into the vision? Into the mission into the mission mm. it should be kind of clear who you're doing this for mm -hmm. i think that's like a key key component you know because like you cannot kind of also goes with 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 the vision um you have to build something that's really specific for a certain group of people and kind of makes a big impact there and then once you kind of accomplish this you can kind of also go into other verticals or other whatever but you have to kind of like you know the focus if you have a magnifying glass you can burn a hole into the table when you let the sun shine through yeah but if you know if, if you really focus if you move it around you won't even warm up the surface so yeah. i think that's like a very key ingredients that you kind of figure out who, who you're doing this for and then how you're going to do this fantastic and i love the comparison to the magnifying glass you're absolutely right and i think too many people feel they have a mission but it's too loose it's mm -hmm. too vague and like you say they just 
go around the surface and never actually get that focus. I have a very good example with this. Um, I, um, uh, a friend of mine, he started ring.com, which is like a, a doorbell where, you know, when it rings, it kind of, you see it on your phone and you can talk yeah, to yeah. people. Yeah, I've, I've got one. Yep. Oh, Interrupt okay. me all day long. Yep. And uh, they also have these floodlights that you put on the side of the house. So when somebody walks past your, your house, the floodlights go on and you can, yeah. um, you know, can say, hey, what are you doing on my property? Please leave or call the police type of thing, right? Yeah. And uh, I talked to his head of engineering about mission, vision, values. And he said, you know, I had this engineer come to me and he said, I have this amazing idea. Since we have these floodlights and they have a microphone in there, we have the lights, we could program the party mode. So if you have a party outside, you turn on party mode and then the lights flash with the music. And he thought that's the best thing, best idea ever. And, you know, my buddy could have said like, hey, that's a terrible idea. Go back to work and, you know, shut up. Yeah. But then this person would be discouraged and probably never come with a good idea again. But he said, okay, that's cool. But what does this have to do with our mission, which is to make neighborhoods safer? And, you know, discussion over, people know what to do and they know in the future they can make decisions the same way. They yeah. do make these decisions. And this, I think it's so powerful also in your personal life. If you figure out your mission, vision, values, every big decision that you make, you run through your mission, vision, values as a filter. And then you kind of say, like, okay, this is in line with what I want to do or who I want to be or not, you know, because like saying no is such a tough thing for people. And if you have like something like this framework that helps you to, you know, your North Star, basically, it, it yeah. makes it much easier to kind of actually get somewhere reasonably fast versus like being a leaf in the wind, you know, kind of yeah. get, get there sometime. Possibly. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you talked about the, uh, the latest thing that you fixed and figuring out what really works best. Um, what was it like before that? How was the business and, and what, what, what shift have you seen? What changes have you seen by, by realizing that you need to figure out what really does work best? I mean, it was like, it was very frustrating and, and, and chaotic. And, you know, it's, uh, it's just like having these filters and makes sense on so many levels. For example, one of our core values at MaxEN was build cool shit. It was actually the first core value, you know, okay. and yep. we did this on purpose because A, we want to attract engineering talent, you know, people who are like crazy about building cool shit engineers yeah. and second of all because we were like crazy startup culture we didn't want somebody who wants to come to work with a suit and a tie on because these people would not have made it with us you know because yeah. they you know so kind of like pre-filtering people out this way also makes you know for, for culture reasons also makes a makes a big impact you know so um yeah i think it's just like having this alignment versus like the chaos of you know not knowing you know not having clear product direction not having clear culture guidelines not having it just everything became so much better and what i can highly recommend is a book which i wish i would have had 10 years ago but just read okay. it maybe three years ago which is called traction by gino wickman yeah, yeah. where he yeah. teaches the eos the entrepreneurial operating system if you run a business and you want to scale it and you don't want to have gray hair do yourself <laughs> a favor buy this book it makes a crazy impact well, again, for the listeners, they can't see the videos, but uh, you've certainly got a lot more hair than I've got. So, uh, yeah, I wish I'd have read Traction <laughs> a, a long while ago. And actually, I, I, I only read Traction probably. Oh, I mean, I've, I love listening to audio books. So um, I don't read many books, but I love listening to audio books. So I probably Likewise. listen to, to two a week. Uh, and Traction was one that I only really picked up about 18 months ago. And you're right, it's one of those books now with clients that i get them to 
yeah, there's a, a certain selection of books that I give clients in the very early stages, and that's that is definitely one of them. Yeah, it's a really good framework to work to. Um, so yeah, so great book, great great suggestion. So listeners, go out, get yourself a copy. Of course, it's on Amazon, all over platforms. You know, Audible, uh, hard copy. Just get yourself a copy of Traction. Really important to get Traction by Gina Wickman because there is also a Traction by the founder of DuckDuckGo. With shortlist, one oh, of my businesses, okay. I asked. Oh, I, asked I, did, I didn't realize there were two versions. Yes, I, I didn't know either. So I told ah. one of my business partners, you know, like, hey, man, could you? We always run traction in my US in my businesses. Could you please get the book and read it? Yeah. I said, cool. And then next time we met, I asked him, like, did you read the book? And he's like, yes, it was good. And he started talking about it. And I was like, what have you been smoking? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and then we realized there's actually another book. So traction, what do you know, Wickman is the right one. Okay. That's, that's a good tip worth sharing <laughs> just for that. So if you could share with the listeners one one tip, one lesson, one thing that they could really take away, which they can do something with, because these podcasts aren't just about talking, they're about doing. What would that one tip or one lesson that the listeners could take away be? I think the biggest lesson that I had in my entrepreneurial journey, which has been going on for quite some time, is I used to be very introverted. I call myself a recovering introvert. Um, mm -hmm. so I think I was always an ambivert, but kind of like being shy. And so that was always like really held back in business. And, uh, I realized, especially after I moved to Los Angeles where, you know, people are just Americans in general are way more open. And I saw how, how valuable this is in, in, uh, in, in doing business. So I want to change this. So I went to Toastmasters. You familiar with Toastmasters? Yeah, 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 definitely. Yes. Public speaking club all over the world. Very affordable, really yep. fun. So I did Toastmasters twice a week and I went to two networking events per week until I just like exposure therapy style. I came, I overcame <laughs> this, 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 you know, uncomfortableness. I was even uncomfortable on a, on a, on a, on a conference call, you know, yeah. in my, so it was, was, yeah, really, but yeah, I kind of overcame this, but the real flip in my head was switched when my yoga teacher said every decision in life, you either make out of love or out of fear. And once I, re I always knew this deep down side, but once mm. I realized this, everything, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of worked like a charm. For example, in sales, I used to hate sales, feeling like a used car salesman pushing something down somebody's yeah. throat. But now if I know that, you know, this what I have to sell you is really good for you. And it's actually benefiting you, making your life better, your business better, whatever, you know, then I can even be a pushy sales guy. Say, hey, Simon, please use UpCoach. I think it's a really good solution for you. And um, before I would have never done this because now I'm selling out of love. I sell because I want to improve your life. Versus if I sell out of fear, I only sell because I want to yeah. pay my mortgage, hit my numbers or whatever, then you know, you also feel where I'm coming from, why I'm pushing this down your throat. Is this because I actually want to help you or is it because I want to you yeah. know, just, just enrich, enrich myself? Um, and this kind of like, you know, in, in a lot of other areas, public speaking, for example, or being on podcasts, I would have never done this in a million years before. I would have preferred mm -hmm. to shoot myself in the face versus standing on stage <laughs> in front of a thousand people and, and, and speaking. Yep. But now if I'm, I'm up there and I think, okay, what I have to say here can help people in their business or in their life and can, can make, make their lives better, then I can flow and I can give a good presentation. It's kind of just flowing out versus if I'm full yeah. of fear and I think about me, not about the others. I think about, oh, do they think I have a weird German accent? Do they think I look weird? Do they think I'm an idiot? Do they think what I'm saying is not relevant? Blah, 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 blah. Then I cannot give a presentation, you know, and so yeah, this, yeah, just I can give you like a lot, lot more examples along these lines, but um, it's it's so powerful once you kind of when and your emotions are your barometer. If you don't feel good about something, stop, take a step back, and think like, why is this the case? And then see if you can kind of switch to love and 
Yeah. One more example, my, my wife always wants to me to do home improvement stuff around the house and I hate it with a passion. And, you know, I prefer to do my taxes over this, but, you know, it's just like not my <laughs> That thing. is extreme. And, and I always did it because I didn't want to have conflict, you know, so I did it out of fear. And then I did it and I didn't like doing it. And, you know, when you do something without love, the result is pretty poor. And then I always had a fight yeah. with my wife afterwards because it wasn't up to her specs, you know, it was kind of like whatever yeah. the, the frame that hung was, was crooked or whatever. And um, no, realizing this, now I start still a little bit out of fear, but then I switch to love because I want to make my wife happy and I want to make our place nice. And all of a sudden, I enjoy the work and the result is much better. So I think yeah. it's... Yeah. And, and that's interesting you say that because, you know, I completely agree with the doing things out of, uh, you know, you do things because of either fear or, or love uh, or passion. And very often what I see a lot of coaches do and probably a lot of listeners to this podcast when they recognize that they're doing it out of fear, they stop doing it. So they, you know, it's interesting what you said there about taking a moment and trying to change it into doing it out of love. So it's not about walking away from it. It's not about not doing it. You can't get away from doing your home improvements. Your wife isn't going to let you get away with it. <laughs> yes. um, neither are you going to get away out with doing your taxes. And in fairness, I'd rather do my home improvements and my taxes any day of the week. But it's interesting what you said there about how you, have to just change the way you look at it and do it out of love instead of doing it out of fear and how that drives you forward and uh, any tips because i know that's uh, that'll feel quite alien to some of the listeners and you know i certainly recognize that in myself that you know stopping doing it out of fear yeah that's easy i don't enjoy doing it so i'm going to stop doing it and i think Many people have been taught that over the years. Many consultants certainly have taught me that over the years. If you don't enjoy doing it, just don't do it. Go and do something different. Go and, go and change. How, how can you suggest that people make that, and I'm going to use a horrible word now, but pivot. How can they make mm -hmm. that shift? That's a better word. I like shift better. How can they make that shift from doing it out of fear to doing it out of love and still get it done? That's, that's quite a task, isn't it? So, so, so one thing is kind of, you know, committing to it and like, okay, I'm going to do this. You know, I start this business or start this process, you know, and I'll commit doing this. Mm -hmm. It's like one key element. And also another thing is, I like the saying, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change, you okay. know, for, um, uh, let me give you a drastic example. For example, my, my mother passed away seven years ago and, you know, we were very close and it was like, you know, pretty extreme for, for, for everybody involved. Yeah. And if I look back at, you know, from a poor me point of view, thinking like, oh, you know, uh, I don't have anymore. She would live with us in Bodrum now. She could teach my daughter so much, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Then I'd be in a, in a sad state. Yeah. Versus if I think it from a um, thought of gratitude, I had this amazing woman in my life who taught me so much, you know, like I had so much great times with her. Yeah. Then I smile, you know, so it's kind of like yeah, always yeah. you can shift a lot of things and you can play a lot of mental games or you know that kind of yeah. change your view on on these things and yeah. you know if you yeah if, if, if you actually the key thing is don't make it about yourself make it about the other person i think that's like the, the ah. key thing to shift in your mind you know yeah if you make it about you it's like often fears involved if you make it about the other person you easily overcome things because like, oh i'm doing this because i can help this person i can enrich this person's life or whatever you yeah. know so you, you know meeting somebody I think there's the nugget. I think there's the key that you're just giving us there, isn't it? You know, um, we're very inward 
you know, when we're in fear, we're, we're looking at ourselves all the time. It's what we're fearful of. It's what we're worried about. We're thinking about ourselves. Doing it out of love is actually doing it for the benefit of somebody else. And like you said, with the selling. And it's interesting, yes. connecting the two is if you put that into a mission, that's when the success really happens, isn't it? You know, if you can get people who are loving the mission and you know, you're asking them to go on a journey with you, as we talked about earlier on, but if you can get people loving that journey rather than being fearful, because I see, I don't know about you, but I see many businesses who have a mission, but they feel that they've got to beat people into submission to undergo mm -hmm. the journey. Where actually, if you could get your team to do it out of love rather than do it out of fear for the benefit of others, for the benefit of the business and think about other people rather than themselves. Wow. What a, what a formula that would be, you know, to have that, that love it's, and that mission. It's very powerful. You know, when you yeah. do something for that, with, with UpCoach, with, um, we've recruited amazing talent and they're just like doing this also for, you know, cause we're still in startup mode. We don't pay a lot, but they're yeah. really bought into like, you know, having this tool that helps coaches to help more people. And they're like super stoked about this, especially like millennials. They always want to do something like not just for making money. They kind of want to have an impact. Yeah, it was yeah. kind of really ingrained in people's minds. And there's this amazing book, since you read a lot of audiobooks, maybe you've listened to it. Uh, it's called Conscious Capitalism by John Mackey, the founder of Whole Foods. And oh, he talks okay, about man. that. He talks about that the old way of doing business is we have to increase shareholders value. That's the only reason why a business exists. But the new way of doing business is we have to do good by all the stakeholders of the business, which means employees, yeah. customers, suppliers, the planets, society, etc. Kind of being a net positive in the world as, as a business. Yeah. Yeah. And um, they make the point and they prove it in, in this book that these businesses are actually more successful in the long run than the ones who are just kind of looking to increase shareholders value, you know, yeah. and when you kind of when you're just mission driven, then you also attract people and people stand by your business even in tough times and kind of like come together and, and help. And, you know, it's 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 really yeah. powerful when you actually do good by people. It, it is. And it's interesting you say that because, you know, one of the uh... Yeah, the backings of this podcast is uh, Mike Michalowicz and his book, Fix This Next. And he has his business hierarchy of needs. And the top two levels are impact and legacy. And they're not the, uh, the impact and legacy that you would think of. They're about the impact on the community. What legacy do you have on those people around you, your suppliers, your team, you know, the families of the people who buy your products? You know, it's looking, you know, we were talking earlier on before the recording about uh, the secret and the universe rewarding. It's going those multiple ripples out, isn't it, into the universe and what impact and legacy can you have with those people? That's where, you know, the, the universe rewards you, doesn't it? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, also, like with attracting good, good people, like who wants to work in the business that doesn't treat the customers right? You know, being customer yeah. support, like, you know, like who wants to deal with like upset customers all day that you can't really help them? It's like, no. that's terrible. Yeah. And have a lot of attrition. But so many people get it wrong. Mm -hmm. So many, don't they? You know, I, I mean, I've got clients that I've had that I've had to fire as clients because, you know, the way that they treat their staff, their their supply chain, you know, doesn't fit with my values. And, you know, you just think, why are you doing it like that? Why, why are you doing business like that? You know, it's never going to take off. But thinking about how people can get in touch with you, you know, you've mentioned multiple businesses, you've mentioned, um, you know, the, the up coach and 
you know, you and I probably have a similar value in that, you know, the reason I became a coach after spending so many years in business myself and having coaches was that I really believed that coaches need to do things better. We need to serve our clients better. And what, what better impact you and I can have than to actually give coaches the tools, education and the information they need so that they can have an impact on all the businesses that they're working with. So perhaps through 10, we can actually touch a hundred, can't we? Yes, uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a great format. So tell tell the listeners a little bit about how they can connect with you and how they can find out more about you and the products that you have. So the easiest thing is to go to my personal page, which is davidhensel.com, where there's a list of the businesses that I'm involved in. You can find me on LinkedIn or on, on, on Facebook. Um, just you know, search for my name, David Hensel. If you want to email me, it's dh at davidhensel.com. And, you know, I I love to, I'm a very social person, you know, since I'm not an introvert yep. anymore. So, you know, hit me up if there's anything I can do to you. Please let me know. Yeah. And Hensel is H-E-N-Z-E-L or Z for the Americans on the call. Yeah, yeah that's correct. Yes. Yeah, great. So davidhensel.com and they can see everything and connect with you on LinkedIn as well. Fabulous. Uh from a coaching point of view, you know, obviously I'm a coach. A lot of people who've been guests on the coach. What would you say is the one thing that we should uh, look for in up coaching? You know, what what would we take away? What what would be the one big reason that we should consider a tool like you you've produced here? So I built the tool because I'm I'm not a coach, you know, and I uh, I have a lot of balls in the air, but I create this coaching program to to coach people so i coach these cohorts of of people and uh, every tool that i looked at um did not allow me to multiply myself and be like very efficient in terms of what, what i'm doing you know before i was like copying excel sheets back and forth or all the other tools that yeah. i saw that most coaching tools are actually just more for getting more clients in the door i agree but we're focusing yeah. on like we are a coaching delivery system you know we want to deliver really good coaching to the, the clients you know kind of making sure yeah. that clients stay longer with you the clients have a better experience and yeah. this is like the, the key thing to hold people accountable it's like a one, one key thing that also gives you the transparency did somebody do what they're supposed to do? did they do the homework did they yeah. fill in those forms did they you know I'm, I'm a big fan of habits i believe habits determine everything in your life if you're rich yeah. or poor happy or unhappy obese or in shape it all boils down to which habits you cultivate so we have a group habit tracker in there and i really love the transparency of the tool so you can kind of see before you jump on a call with a person you don't have to get an update from them in terms of how they've done you already yeah. know yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. I think that's that's the, the key thing. Why I like yeah, coaching. I, you know, when I first became a coach, I signed up with um, a program that I'm still still involved in, and I'm a certified coach for them called Coaches Coach. Eric Donback um, was an ex action coach and decided to change the way that coaching was done. Um, but you're right, you know, probably 95% of what is in Coaches Coach is how to attract, how to win, and convert clients, uh, and and purposefully so because a lot of coaches need to put their own style on how they coach. So, you know, most coaches actually do need the help, uh, the help to generate clients, but you, you're absolutely right. When they, when they have the clients, what do they do with them next? So that's a great resource to have to help us deliver sustainable, consistent coaching, but retains clients for years. We hope that'd be great. Also another thing is cause I, you know, I want, I brought in other coaches who are running my, my program with, mm -hmm. with, with other people. 
and I needed a way to, yeah, since it's my, you know, I, I bring these people in, they kind of know me, it's like employees of, you know, entrepreneur friends of mine, and, you know, I want to make sure that they're actually getting good quality, so I have like this um, net promoter score questionnaire after every coaching session they run, so, yep. you know, they, people get this, this ping, rate this from zero to 10, and then why did you rate us this way? To kind of keep the finger on the pulse to see, you know, how, yeah. how, how are things doing if you want to scale your, your coaching practice. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I was talking to a coach just a couple of weeks ago, and on one of my documents I use with clients, I always ask the client to share one thing that they've taken away from today's session. And this guy said, what if they haven't taken anything away? I could never ask that question. Well, if they can't tell me what they've taken away, then I need to step my game up. Yeah, mm -hmm. And I think too many coaches sometimes are fearful of getting that feedback because they don't want the client to actually say that they're not taking value or that they're not happy. Well, to be honest, I'd rather know that up front so I can do something about it. The, ne the next time I know is when they walk out the door and they stop paying yes, their yes, coaching and fee. <laughs> and and, and yeah. they, they and they tell their friends that, you know, you, they're not happy with your results, you know, which is the, which yeah. is the worst thing. So at, at all my business, also it's, it's a good tip for, for people we have a error log. So every mess up, every complaint, every tiny little F up that happens in the business, doesn't matter in which department, we put in our error log. And okay. then in the, in, in the manager meeting, we always review these, the, these, these things that happened. And um, then we see which process or what can we tweak that this will never happen again. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And so we have like a error culture. We, we love errors because this gives us the opportunity to make it better. Yeah. So it's like we're kind of a self-healing machine. We always get better and better and better and better and better. And yeah. you do not get in trouble for making mistakes. I mean, if you make the same mistake 10 times, then you're in trouble. You know? <laughs> yes. But you know, that's, a, that's a whole different story. But you don't get in trouble for making mistakes, but you get in massive trouble if you don't add it to the error log. You know, that's like the, kind of the only rule that we ah, have. And it's like, so we're kind of like a self-healing machine that always gets better. Yeah, yeah. Great. Well, I'm sure, listeners, you've taken away some amazing value, figuring out what really does work in your business and what works best for you, getting that direction, that mission. Uh, and David's giving a great example of the difference between a vision and a mission. So if you were unsure of a difference, you've got that there. And yeah, I love the recovering introvert. Uh, I've got about, I've got a whole list of notes here. And I, I hope listeners, you're taking notes as well of things that you can take some action on. And uh, for me, the, the biggest takeaway has been the doing things out of love rather than fear and not just avoiding the fear and not doing it but finding that shift of mindset that different perception so that we can find a way of doing it out of love and doing it for the benefit of others i think that's a great thing to be able to do and uh, I, I really want to thank you for sharing that and hopefully listeners you value the time that david's given here and most importantly do something about it if all you do is listen to the podcast and then go off and ignore everything that we've talked about what a waste of my time and what a waste of david's time so Take some time, write down just one thing that you can do from this podcast, at the very least, that you can take away and do something with it. If only for me, I now know I need to do yoga every day and not just twice a week. So that's taught me. If I want to get like the frog that's behind David, I need to do yoga every day, not, <laughs> not just twice a week. So coming to the final question before we, we wrap up, um, when's your next coffee going to be? And, and where? I know that's difficult to ask in these times of lockdown and you've already said you've already take away, but just give us a bit of an idea of when the next one's going to be and where. The next one will probably be, what's tomorrow's Thursday, um, at Insomnia Brew Truck in Bodrum. 
It's like really okay. phenomenal, phenomenal coffee. Um, and yeah, this is where I usually get, get my fix when I go out. Great. Sounds good. Well, if anybody's in Bodrum or visiting Bodrum and know where to go for a great coffee then. Yes. And one thought on, you know, since you always ask your clients, what was the takeaway from, mm. you could every, so please all the listeners maybe tweet or whatever, send a message with like the key takeaway that you had from this episode. I'd be very curious to, to hear that. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on here. Of course, listeners, this is part of my mission to help businesses around the globe become more aware of the possibilities that you have which I'm sure you've taken some of that away today. But most importantly, receive some business education, which I know you've definitely received today. And of course, we've talked a little about coffee as well. Thanks very much, David, for joining me on today's podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Likewise, thanks, David.